What's up, guys? It's Matt. On today's episode of the TKW Podcast, Kyle Maggio and I talk about the Mario Hazonia signing and then transition into a Summer League preview. We go through the roster, talk about what you all should be looking for and what young players we should be excited about moving forward. So without further ado, let's go. Hello, folks, and welcome to the TKW Podcast. I'm Matt Spendley, and I'm joined today by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much. What's what's going on with you, man? How's free agency treating you? Um, well, we got Super Mario, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah. What more could you ask for than a guy that has been a severe disappointment, and I don't think a single Magic fan was that upset he's gone. Well, we're not talking <laughs> about Emmanuel Moody here, Matt, so. <laughs> no, we're selling him short there, so let's talk about his own year real quick. Uh, so... It was funny yesterday, the whole Woj thing. Um, did you you saw the Portland thing first, right? Yeah, because uh, I sent it. I was like, I'm usually late in our Slack chat, but I was con- you know compulsively refreshing, and then uh, I saw the Woj thing, uh, Woj thing pop up as soon as I was refreshing, so I clicked it immediately, and then I see Portland guy has only, and I was like, well, fuck, the one guy we were linked to, we didn't even yeah. get. So I send it. I go after I sent it, we were all like, ah oh, man, damn it, whatever. Half second later, wow. <laughs> he doesn't even he doesn't even delete it. He's just like, whoops, and then he owns it, and he uh, and then he breaks the news. But I, I don't know. I how do you feel about him? Uh, I feel fine. I think that there was a lot more reason to be excited about him this year than the past two. He was more of a running joke the first couple of years. I mean, especially like 2016, 17. Looking at his numbers, he shot 35 percent from the floor and barely. Crack 30 from three. And this is a guy that had just been a top five pick in the draft. Uh, so last year was a lot more encouraging. I was watching some of his highlights. You love his jump shot. He's got a really smooth stroke. And any time that the Knicks can add more shooting, it's just something they desperately need to do, which is why uh, I know some of us were high on the Knox pick. So I'm happy about that. Uh, I think that these are the type of guys you need to add to the roster. And it's what a lot of people have been saying. It's what we've been saying. Give these young guys that haven't necessarily been given the perfect opportunity a chance to succeed. It's what we continued to say about Emmanuel Moutier as his struggles permeated throughout the roster last year and throughout all of the games. We said, you do this move 100 times out of 100, which, by the way, boy, Dougie got paid. Yeah. A little bit of an overpay, but <laughs> good for him, I guess. Uh, so, so back to Hazonia, though. It's... It's the type of guy you take a chance on. And the one-year deal, I know there's been talk of why didn't they give him a team option. Maybe it's not something he wanted to pursue. So why don't you tell me what your interactions have been with fans and what your general gist of the whole signing is. That I All of us have felt the same for the most part. Um, I, I haven't really seen anybody. And I was tweeting from TKW last night uh, myself during the day once we were, you know, we heard those rumors and everybody kind of, I, I don't even think I saw one person who was like, well, this is a shitty signing. Everyone kind of understood that we're getting a, another young guy. It's the same theme as everybody we've signed or traded for. We're getting a, another young guy um, on a really cheap deal, sort of a prove-it deal. Everybody was pretty much on board with it. The only disagreements that I had virtually all day was 
whether it should be a you know a straight up one year deal or if it should be a team option. Ideally, always ideally is the team gets to decide whether or not you bring the guy back, you, you keep his you know rights for maybe a more friendly deal after that. But um, I didn't necessarily care one way or another. Like I, I understand why you sort of hedge your bets with the team option, and I, in a perfect world we get it. But we didn't, and it's a one-year deal, and the chances of him outplaying that six million, uh, six and a half million dollar one-year deal, you know, by a, a large margin, isn't very significant. So I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't see it really happening. Maybe with a bigger role and and under Fizdale and Co, he does a little bit better. But I, everybody seemed to be really on board with it because everybody's pretty on board with this movement of like, let's just keep getting young guys, let's just keep trying them out. We, everybody knows it's not going to be a great year at least until KP gets back. So I, I don't know. I, it feels strange to me because normally when we discuss these things in terms of fans, everybody's usually split. Like with Frank, everyone was either like, oh, we love Frank. Look at the defensive intensity. Look at this. Look at that. Or it was just like, well, no, he can't handle and score. He stinks. And then we usually get to talk about both sides of it. But it's been a very strange like six months where I feel all of us that we usually interact with kind of agree. Yeah, and I want to talk about this real quick because we have all the time in the world to break down Hazonia's game. I'm sure JB for Knicks Film School will be putting out some videos uh, in the very near future. But it almost feels like everyone inside Knicks Twitter and inside the team that's been keeping up with everything has, I don't know if optimism is the right word, and it's it's something that we've talked about. The direction of the team, they are pointing in the right direction, and we felt this way for... Maybe a year, you know, since they, after the Hardaway signing, which I know not a lot of people are crazy about, it's understandable, but it feels like everyone else is kind of lagging behind. And there's no reason for us to expect that the Knicks end up coming out of this tunnel with a really good team. They have the right type of assets to make that happen. They have all their picks in the bank. They have their superstar player once he comes back healthy. But there's something to be said for having faith in the team's decisions that they're making. And maybe a past Knicks regime gets really excited and tries to throw a bunch of money at an older veteran guy. Meanwhile, this one's saying, we know we're going to be bad this coming year. Let's take a chance on a guy that hasn't been great in his career, has been a disappointment, but has the pedigree that can potentially take him to the next level and allow him to elevate his game under a new coach. And it's something, too, that we need to mention is that Fizdale was apparently a big reason why Hazonia decided to come here. And that's not insignificant. Yeah, I mean, the rumors were that he was seeking a multi-year deal, two or three year type deal. And allegedly he had some of those on the table and he turned them down to come here to play for one year. We'll find out more about that, more details, you know, in the coming days and weeks, I'm sure who those teams were, what those offers actually were, but it's encouraging. And I keep saying the same thing. And I guess I'll probably keep saying it until you start to see the culture pay off a little bit more, you know, whether it's signing some free agents um, whether they're stars or not, but like, you know, decent, good free agents we wouldn't have gotten in the last five years and more wins on the court. But, uh, you know, I've been cautiously optimistic about Perry because everything he's done since he's got in has been very logical towards what the common sense sort of smart basketball fan thinks. Mm-hmm. Like, he moved Melo for, like, the best deal that he could. And then he took one of those assets got a couple more, you know, with the Moutier. And so yep. he keeps getting, like, younger, and he keeps acquiring 
you know, young guys, whether he signs them, you know, little short deals like Kazonia or, you yeah. know, getting Troy Williams. It's like there's actually a theme here that you can sort of go off of. It's not like he made a one-off deal for Moody and you're like, look at him investing in the youth. Good for Perry. It's like everything's actually lining up and each one of those solidifies it a little bit more. So like you're saying, we've been talking about it at length because it's our jobs and like, you know, we pay attention a little bit more and other people are in fact lagging, but it seems like the tide is turning with the more patient that they're being. So it's, it's enjoyable. I just get the general feeling too. You hear outside, you're listening to other pods. Like I was listening to spots today, just about free agency and what's going on. And some people are cracking jokes about how LeBron announces his decision to go to the Lakers. And then that's followed up or was uh, predecessor or uh, I can't even speak. <laughs> it is so hot in my room right now, by the way. I mean, you see I me sweating. Was, I'm very hot. I was on my way to get an AC unit, and I tweeted this today. I went to four different places, and they all did not have the one that I needed for my room. So I'm dying right now. <laughs> we'll talk off record about that. I could think I could have gotten you a deal, but continue. Oh, shit. Okay, I'll take you up on that. Uh, so basically people were making jokes about how you had the Hazonia signing right back-to-back with the LeBron thing, and it's like one franchise that's so well known and has this great reputation doing something smart and then it's the Knicks being the Knicks but the Knicks haven't been the Knicks in a while you know I mentioned the Hardaway signing but they've been all their decisions have been in lockstep and they've made the right decisions they've been saying the right things if they ever go back on this I'm sure we'll all be able to get back to that point but it just it certainly feels like we're in this incubator and everyone is looking at us from the outside perspective i don't want to say us because i hate when people do that with the teams but just us as fans let's put it that way yeah and viewing us in this light that just isn't as true anymore it's not and you've railed against this on many occasions the lol knicks thing it's frustrating for me too now because if the knicks were doing stupid shit then that could be understandable but it's just not quite what's going on right now like when they were signing chris smith to a deal to make jr happy you know when jr was already locked in here and I mean, like uh, amnestying Chauncey Billups, yep, you know, when, the when there was other moves to be made. These, like, yeah. like, like, there's a lot of material to go off of where, when that was happening. If you can go back and check my tweets from when it happened, I was, yeah. I mean, we should be laughing at the Knicks. It's a silly mistake, but I don't like it when it's when people are not using their brain for it. Like, if it makes sense, like those those moves that are logical to make fun of it for, then have at it you know you yeah you guys know i'm the big like i'll dish it i'll take it whatever it is like i can everybody tries to get on me about the knicks all the time you're, you're not gonna hurt me like if, if it's warranted it's not gonna hurt me but like yep be smart about it like if, if we're signing a one-year six million dollar contract for mario fucking hazonia in a tank year that's not a bad move that's There's not no a jokes to be had there a, a, a next move you know. would have been paying hazonia three years 24 million dollars correct like for no reason. Just like, oh, yeah, we like Kazonia. He asked for a multi-year deal. We gave him a multi-year deal. Like, that would have been LOL Knicks. So for them to be like, hey, guys, like, no, we want cap space. We want to keep our picks, and we want to keep drafting well. So we're doing a one-year deal for $6 million, take it or leave it. Like, that's that's smart. That's objectively smart. Or, and if you don't agree that it's smart, you can't say it's dumb. There's nothing dumb about it. You may it not like dumb. Yeah, you may not be in love with it. I don't even think I'm in love with it, but it's not a dumb move. It's not even a bad move. It's not. It's barely an okay move. You're investing in youth to maybe take a stride with a whole coaching staff full of player development, guys. It's a fine gamble. Just if you're going to do the LOL Knicks thing, I never mind. Make sure it's an LOL Knicks move. 
There, yep. there have always been them. They'll probably be there again. Just wait for the right time. And I find the Knicks fans, like any other fan base, and I'm sure we've certainly come from this point too, they are, for the most part, a realistic bunch that understands the faults the team has made in the past. And that's why it's sometimes frustrating to have people that aren't following as closely just come from that viewpoint. Yeah, and most of us are very cynical. Like Yes, but like, we, it's like well, you've been beaten down, and that's what we've that's how we feel about everything that's happened. But I've said this before, too, on this program. I'm going to continue saying it through the next five years, however this current regime goes. If the Knicks fail, if this whole thing goes poorly, then at least they were in the right direction. It, it, a, lot, a lot of this is going to depend on KP's decision, which will be the most important thing to happen to this franchise. But Yeah, and, and the last thing that I was going to say on this note is, you know, I had that I had a tweet last night where uh, a certain Twitter user made fun of the Knicks and Lakers situation, and he said the main yes. difference between the Knicks and Lakers: the Lakers lose Kobe, and instead of signing Noah to seventy-four or four years, seventy-two million, they took their time, acquired an attractive young core. Now they have assets and cap space, you know, for LeBron and Kawhi. So I jokingly shot back, "Well, they signed Dang to the exact." literally the exact same deal at the exact same time <laughs> as Joakim Noah. And they also gave Mozgov four years, 64 million, but yeah, sure. And I was joking around about it because I was like, well, one, the perception kind of stinks because if you really look at it too, like they've been bad at the same time we've been bad, but they've kind of hit on more picks than we have. Like that's kind of what it's partially come down to too. Yes. Like they've stung a big and, part then, of it. and then they've gotten like better picks in the lottery. Like they've gotten, you know, they've had better position. They've also the, had multiple number two picks where the Knicks have been drafting at nine and eight. Right. That's a big difference too. Right. So they've had – they were tanking just like we were tanking. They just lost a couple more games each, each year, got a better spot. With that better spot, they got a better player. Now with that and not signing any more contracts and then you know getting Charlotte to somehow agree to take on – or sorry, uh, Mozgov, uh, that, that Brooklyn deal. Yeah. Yeah, you with know what Dwight, I mean? Yeah. With Dwight. It, it, it's like these little – it's like these little things that, you know, we didn't, th- th- like, we didn't have to do twice the work, I guess, to clear up the space. Like, we're just slowly clearing it out. Like, we still have a young core, you know, whether or not this is the core that stays is a different story. But, like, you know, let's say Knox is a real player, like Tatum last year, but let's say Knox is a real player. Now we have Cap Space, KP, Knox, and Frank. I'm not saying that this is like, oh, Kyrie's going to bolt out of Boston or Durant's going to you know, shoot out of uh, Golden State to come sign here. But like, if we suddenly have a lot of cap space and they're like, well, look, they're drafting well, they're not rushing, they're not you know, signing these bums to long deals anymore, mm-hmm. Like by, by default, like you seem more attractive. So like they, the Lakers did what they had to do, and you know, they got LeBron hats off to them. They made the moves you know, to, to okay, get it Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about the LeBron thing real quick, and then we're going to give you guys a little summer league preview. LeBron didn't go to the Lakers for basketball reasons, so talking about that point is just ridiculous. Well, that was the other component. Exactly. You can't point to the basketball reasons for this. The Lakers did a bunch of stupid shit. We could say they hit on some picks, but LeBron's not going there to play with Brandon Ingram, even though I like Brandon Ingram. He's a good player. He's not going there to play with Kyle Kuzma or Alonzo Ball because these guys might get moved anyways. He's going there because it's L.A., and it doesn't— L.A. is so much different than New York— it's so to compare the two is just such it's such an act of lunacy. I just can't wrap my head around that. It's just such a different 
mentality and situation. LeBron would never come to New York because the pressure is so much more because the Knicks have not experienced any sort of championship, just a taste of it. The Lakers don't care if they don't win a championship for however many years. It's not as important. Winning in New York, you come there. And if you don't win, it's a bigger disappointment than if he's in L.A. and he doesn't win. It's such a different point to, to come from. No, I, I agree. And, I, again, that's why I thought that tweet was silly. But even in his strange comparison, I was like, well, yeah, the Knicks are actually doing the exact same thing that the Lakers were doing. Like, you know, we're also acquiring young assets and clearing cap space. We're just yeah. not, you know, doing it as drastically with clearing the cap space right now to make room. But, like... The plan is very much the same, and then uh, that kind of rubbery. But it's it's perception. Like we're that's what we just started this conversation Correct. with. Is it's the perception. It's gonna be, uh, we they gotta prove it. I understand. I, I try not to get frustrated, but yeah. It is what and it the is. Lakers are Magic and Rob Palenka now. That's the face of the team. That's an attractive team to want to go to. And there's a lot of players that still look at the Knicks and it's Dolan and it's uh, you know an unproven GM. That's that's what you're getting. Yep. Uh, do you want to talk about Julius Randle real quick before we go into the summer league thing? Really, really quickly, because this hurt my heart. So, Julius Randle signed with the Pelicans, and Kyle's been a big Julius Randle guy. If you guys have something different to tell me about the cap, then certainly do so. But as as far as I understand it, the Knicks had their their exception to use, which is $8.6 million about. I don't know if they were ever going to allot that whole thing. They gave $6.5 million of it to Hazonia, and then... We're planning on using a portion of that to potentially sign Mitchell Robinson to a deal. So the Knicks, as I understand it, could have offered Julius Randle $8.5 or $8.6 million, and he signed with $9 million per year to play with the Pelicans. He's a Kentucky guy, so is Davis. I know the connection had been strong for those guys, and Woj had mentioned it in his tweet that Davis's recruitment was a big stepping stone for them. So Kyle, when we have talked about it, has been frustrated because he thinks if Randle was going to be on the table for the Knicks— they should have maybe waited this out a little bit more, maybe had uh, a plan in place in case Randall was going to be there. I don't really mind it too much. I like Randall, but I don't think that he's, for a team that's in the state of the Knicks, what is he really going to do for you? And the Knicks also want to have that cap space, and he wasn't going to take a one-year deal. And Hazonia also had multiple suitors, and I think the Knicks really wanted to, to land him for a one-year deal because they knew him, he might be more um, you know, obligated to, to do something like that. So, Kai, what do you think? I think I think I would have, for, for what I had envisioned, I knew he was going to be a free agent this year. And the way I was looking at it was KP was taking the strides that we hoped he would take. He was well on his way to averaging 25 points per game last year. And I felt like, well, now that you have, you know, KP taking such significant strides, and he was pretty damn efficient last year too. And I was like, you got to start to build around him. So I just thought Randall was a really excellent piece who could play the four and the five and kind of go smaller with KP at the five. And then I feel like those two mix and matching who they're guarding at the four and the five would have been really, really fun. Like Randall could guard most fives. Like he's a really strong, able-bodied guy for that position. Whereas KP, though he has the length for it, he gets overpowered at times. And I just feel like they could have been a lot of fun. You know, Randall, I know he kind of gets labeled as a reluctant passer, but he also has like that playmaking flair when he gets going sometimes. I just feel like he could have fit this team pretty well. That being said, KP got injured. And this is a really lost year for us 
probably. So no, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> signing him starting this season without KP pretty much for most of, if not all of it, because you know they've discussed all of it too. Um, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. So I I get, I, I guess I, I'm less crushed, but what kind of drew me back into being angry was seeing the dollar about. Because I assumed we would have to pony up a little bit and try to get him for three or four years and, and then go from there. And then I see, you know, we saw the his own deal, cheap deal, wasn't that expensive. And then um, I see Randall, and I, and I was spitballing like minutes before. You can go check my timeline. And I said, oh, what's Randall going to go for? Like 12 to 15 million? <clears throat> and then he signs a uh, two-year deal for 18 million. And then... And then it kind of stung because I was like, so now I know we'll get into this uh, portion of it quickly, but about the um, the mid-level that we could yeah. have offered. And uh, if you want to take that part, but uh, when we, we discussed this off the podcast like for a second before, and when I heard the number, it, it stung just a little bit more because it was close. Well, let's put this in context here. If you're Julius Randle, would you rather go play for a playoff team Next to one of those, are a player that went to your school that you know that you're friends with, or are you going to go to the Knicks to basically end up on a team that, while on the right path, you don't know what they are. And here's the difference between Hazonia and Randall too. I think teams around the league might argue about Julius Randall's usefulness, his ceiling as a player, his potential defensive issues that might come about, his ball hoggery, which reached certain levels this year that the Lakers I know were not happy with. Versus Azonia is a guy that has to prove that he's even a guy that's going to stay in the NBA. So to me, Randall had no reason to want to take a one-year deal with the Knicks. It just would never have made any sense. So it's from a point of just logic, I don't see how Julius Randall would ever have came to the Knicks for a lower dollar amount. And you can say they're both comparable, but I think my point being is that the Knicks would have had to give him more money that they didn't have on the table to actually end up with him wanting to be here. I agree with you. I just didn't. Well, I guess it was just the timing of it. When I saw that. That's fair. We gave his only a one year contract last night. And then, you know, that LeBron, the, the Hazonia news broke after the LeBron news. Now I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean it happened after the LeBron signing. It just means that that's when we were notified, but when you see the the optics to that, you well, sort for of... what it's worth, there was some rumors last night that Randall was interested in working out a deal with the Lakers. I know they had met, so yeah. they must have just not been able to come to any sort of deal that would have made sense. And the Lakers clearly felt that they were better off signing the the Rondos and the Lance Stevenses. I don't really like what they're doing, by the way. Yeah, on a quick note, I, I don't understand. They were even linked to Tyreek Evans, and then I started getting confused because. I was like, well, then why would you be linked to Tyreek and have Lance Stevenson? It's I'd like, rather give Tyreek Evans $9 million than Rondo, and I'd rather give Tyreek Evans twice the money of Lance Stevenson. I'm just, but even still, like, are those guys a great fit next to LeBron? What do we know about LeBron? What type of players should we put around him? It, it just, shoot. yeah, it, it just seems like they're just trying to get bodies and names to sign in case there's a trade that happens yeah. for Kawhi. That, that's the only thing that I can think of. Like, they, they're signing guys that are like fresh off playoff teams and, like they're just, I feel like they're just trying to get like the quickest names that they can, and then just like wait, and then whatever. And these are all like short, one year deals. I'm gonna assume some of them are non guaranteed or anything. And so I, we gotta see. But for the Randall thing, the optics were, well, 
basically you must have known that he'd be available last night. And if we found out, if we, the public found out about LeBron last night at seven, yep. I'm going to assume GMs knew before that. So, Possible. But I think that these guys find out a lot like how we do. Like, I don't think the Knicks are finding out that LeBron signed before just because they're a GM. Like, I don't think they have those type of connections. And if so, maybe it's shortly before, you know? But LeBron and LA seemed like a foregone conclusion from when the Cavs lost the finals in the way they didn't, potentially even before that. But I just want to, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that the Rand, uh, I wanted to know if the Knicks were interested, I guess. I just, yeah, I wanted to confirm that what I felt was sort of correct and that they were somewhat interested. I was, hoping, I was hoping that they'd at least like have a meeting with him or something, but this seemed to be done the second they, uh, the Lakers renounced his rights, he already had to deal with the Pelicans. So this was probably yeah. – he, he yeah. doesn't exist in the NBA, you know, so to speak. I'm doing air quotes. Right. The guy, I feel like teams and players make deals all the time in the back channels, and I feel like that's what this was. He knew he was going to get renounced. Simply had that deal in his pocket ready to go. Yep, it is what it is. Either way, I think we're both perfectly content with the Hazonia signing and excited to see what he can bring to the table for the Knicks this year. Uh, so let's get into a summer yep. league preview. So what I'm going to do here, Kyle, where I'm just going to go through, I, I cut the team into three separate tiers, and we're just going to talk about the, the players like that. So we'll go up from from the bottom to the top, just talk about what to expect. Um, summer league starts is it, uh, this weekend, right? July 7th is their first game. So, yep. uh, okay, that's exciting. All right, I, think so, it, I think it's a 2 or 2.30. Yeah, they're usually afternoon games. I really want it to go this year. I'm super bummed. I'm really hoping to go next year. It's, it seems like such a cool place to be, and there's so many NBA people that go in a fairly contained environment, which makes it even cooler, but one day. All right, so I have four guys at the bottom of the list that are just filler type, that are just guys that they have on the roster, um, and that's... Justin Harper, Juwan Howard Jr., Tony Taylor, and uh, Tyrius Walker. So, just to talk a little bit about these guys, and then Kyle, if you have any uh, hot takes on these guys, uh, anything to offer, you, you certainly feel free. But uh, these guys are just basically here uh, to fill out the roster, and they don't have a ton of experience. So, to start off, Justin Harper's a guy that has, uh, he went to Richmond, he's played 22 NBA games. The only thing I found about him that was kind of interesting is that he was a second-round pick by the Cavs and was traded for two second-round picks. Hmm. And those two second-round picks actually turned into two pretty decent NBA players, Joe Harris and Alan Crabb. So, like, those are guys that, you know, Joe Harris just got paid $8 million a year, and Alan Crabb obviously got that fat contract. I thought that was pretty cool. Not a good look for Justin Harper, though. No, not at all. Good look <laughs> for Justin good Harper. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, to go through the other three guys pretty quickly, Juwan Howard Jr., I uh, went to Detroit Mercy. He's played overseas, the son of, of Juwan Howard. Um, Tony Taylor went to George Washington. He's also played overseas. He was born in Sleepy Hollow, so a bit of a local guy. And uh, Tyrese Walker went to Morehouse College, which is a, I think it's the number one HBCU in the country. I don't know how they rank those because it's, uh, you know, MLK went there, Spike, uh, Samuel Jackson. Uh, he said Training Day was his favorite movie, which I was all about. Have you seen Training Day, Kyle? Kyle's struggling with the mute button right now. Yeah, sorry, dogs. <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah, of course I've seen Training Day. I watched that movie last month. For the first time? Denzel? No, 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 no. Like, rewatched it? Right. Denzel is so goddamn good in that movie. Uh, quick note on Denzel. He doesn't make bad movies ever. He just makes less good movies. It's true. I don't think I've ever seen a movie with him and just said, wow, that stinks. Never. Not, not, not a single time. 
Did you see the first Equalizer movie? Like the Equalizer because they're coming out with the second one. I haven't seen it. I don't think. I've I've watched a lot of Denzel movies. I hold on. What was Equalizer? I don't. I I haven't seen it. I think they've had the ads for it, and it was all over the NBA because they had the Lonzo ad where he was saying like, "Oh, you know, let's let's bring my dad into this." Corny. I've seen the Equalizer. Okay. <laughs> I did. I, no, I just googled it to make sure. I've seen, I've, I have seen the Equalizer. Just saw the poster. Yup. Seen it. Yep. Okay. All right. So let's get into the second tier. Not much to say about those guys, but the second tier is just guys that could stick around. So three out of these five guys played for Westchester last year. So the first guy is Billy Garrett. I uh, went to DePaul. He played 50 games for Westchester last year, which was the most games played. Uh, 12 points, two rebounds, two assists, kind of a, just a scorer on the wing. Uh, I want to talk about the three Westchester guys real quick, and I want to have a discussion about what the team should be looking for this year, and then I'll talk about the other two. So the other two are Paul Watson and then Isaiah Hicks I have in this tier. Some people might put him higher, and the Knicks have been rumored to potentially uh, want him him back, but I think that he'll just get that two-year, or the two-year, the two-way contract again. Who, Hicks? Yeah, because yeah. since they signed Cornette to the deal, they have the two-way. So your two-way guys are then Trier and Hicks. I think that's probably what they'll end up doing, if I had to guess. So we know about Hicks. Uh, I really I don't know why he's still on the roster. I didn't see a single thing last year that made me think he should be an NBA player. Um, and then the other one's Paul Watson, who played in uh, 45 games for Westchester last year. Another you know kind of wing scorer, 6'6". I have a good fact about him, though. So, on a personal note, he went to Fresno State, and my alma mater, Siena College, played in the CBI tournament when I was a freshman in Mm -hmm. 2013-14. They won, not to brag. And he played against Siena. And you know who else was on that Fresno State team? Who? A current NBA player for the Miami Heat. Tyler Johnson. Oh, Moe's from... uh... The office from the office, yes, yeah. one and the same, literally the same person. Yes. So uh, when is, I was looking for these guys, I was just trying to find anything that was like, okay, this is kind of cool. So literally, maybe two other people out there give a shit about that, but for the two of you, salute. <laughs> Sienna College, stand up. And if there's anyone out, I know we have a few people that listen from Marist. Please, 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 just remember that Sienna won a national championship. Take it to the bank. <laughs> Just, just get it all out now. You get a flex. A national bit. championship. There's a banner and everything. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about Westchester real quick because I think that this whole uh, the whole summer league experiment is important, and it's even more important now with the G League becoming more prevalent. And the Knicks need to build their G League team back up because you remember last year we had Trey Burke on the team. You had Cornette. You had Dotson that was playing games. Uh, you know, Hicks, they have, and they had Xavier Rathon Mays, who's not going to be with the team anymore. Um, Cause I think he signed somewhere else, but you're going to see, they're going to need to build this roster back up. So these guys might be important for them just in terms of depth for Westchester. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd hope Hicks isn't back. I'd hope we can just turn this over a little bit. I, I don't mind Hicks, but there's more in, we're going to get to them but there's more intriguing names what certainly. is hicks doing in a, on a modern nba roster like let's keep it a buck he he made like two threes last year he is i i wouldn't say that he's in the best shape like he's a big dude you see the picture of all them shirtless like dotson and frank on the track 
Yeah. Like, they're all really cut, and then Hicks is just kind of, you know, just a, a thicker guy, I guess. Yeah. But, like, what is that guy doing for you if he's not shooting? He's not bringing anything to the table, and he's not an exciting upside guy, which is who you should be targeting with the two ways. And we'll get to Alonzo Trier in a little bit. Now, Hicks just kind of looks like he's built like a defensive end. Like, he just doesn't... I don't know. He just doesn't really do it for me. He's... I don't know. There's nothing there. Like, he's not really athletic at all. He's not uh-uh. fast. He's he's not strong. Other than just being tall, I don't... That's all he's got. I don't quite understand it, so... And the Carolina pedigree, I guess. Like, I think that's what a lot of these teams try to... Uh, just, you know, they target guys that maybe had a good background, went to a, a good school. The Luke Cornette thing, by the way, because we'll get to him, is really funny because when we mentioned to our, our good friend Joe Nardone about Luke Cornette when they first signed him, he was like, bro, he was terrible in college. What's he doing in the NBA? And now he's got a second contract. I mean, good for him. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I now remember Joe did flame him. <laughs> yeah. Joe was like, he's supposed to be a shooter. And then Joe listed his terrible percentages off. I was just like, so what are we doing here? And I was like, so Joe, what's going you're, on? You're preaching to the choir. Those are excellent points. I have nothing to retort. <laughs> All right. So the two other guys that I have that could stick around with Westchester because these guys have experience uh, in the NBA are Michael Benajay, who's a Syracuse guy. I'm sure a lot of got a lot of Cuse fans. I'm sure they'll listen to the pod and have watched Cuse. So he was a, a, a good player for Cuse. He was drafted by the Pistons. He's played nine NBA games. Uh, people cannot spell his name. The Knicks PR release has his name spelled wrong. I swear to God. Oh, the, the release where it's G-B-I-N-J-I-E? Which is just so embarrassing. I don't know about you. I don't. Do people ever spell your name wrong? Does that ever happen? Uh, no, they just don't ever enunciate it correctly. I cannot tell you how frustrating it is to have someone spell your name wrong. People just forget. So S-P-E-N-D-L-E-Y, people forget the last E. And just looking at your name when it's spelled wrong, I just find it to be the most infuriating thing. Imagine if you got you're really, you got on the Knicks Summer League team, it's exciting, and you look and they spell your freaking name wrong. Well, you're kidding me. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. If you have an official contract to, to play in the Summer League, or it's a, a professional team, no matter what, if it's Westchester, the Summer League, anything... They simply cannot spell your name wrong. You just Fire can't. The man who did that? Fire him. If Fire I him. if I spell his name wrong, as I have, well, that's understandable. We that, expect that from you. Thank you. It's sort of my brand now. <laughs> I mean, we we expect me and, and people of the like to be able to do that. But if if you work for a professional outlet, you could probably just um, do a quick Google. You would think. You would really think. And this is a well-known college guy. Like people knew Michael Benajay. He was. A well-known player at a few Q's teams that were very good. So uh, just whatever. That, that kind of shit just really bothers me. So I kind of am a little excited to watch him just because he's... I watched a lot of Q's. My roommate's a big Q's fan. So I've, I've been uh, I've been involved with Q's for a while. And he's your pretty prototypical Q's guy. He's got good size. Uh, so we'll see. And then the other guy is um, Daniel Chefu, who went to Villanova. Won a championship in 2016 with Nova. You know, played with a lot of NBA guys that we've seen. Josh Hart, Mikhail Bridges. That name might hurt for some Knicks fans to bring up, but don't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo. So he started like almost every game for them for th- three out of his four years. And I can I remember him when this name came up. He's a guy that stuck out to me right away. He's played 19 games in the NBA. He played with the Wiz in 2016-17. And probably the most important thing about him, now that KOQ's gone, at least for a fleeting moment, we'll get to appreciate his beard, which is glorious. It is fantastic. Who, Chefu? Yes. I haven't seen it. Has a great beard. 
I'd right. highly recommend looking up I'm... Daniel Chafu beard. Right, I'm gonna look it up. And just don't beat up the mic. All right, it's all right. It's a close one. All right. Uh... <laughs> it's that pop filter. Gets you every time. It really does. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. So if I had to guess, with these five guys, I'd think that uh, I'd think that all five of them will probably be on the Knicks, the Westchester Knicks this year. I, I don't know uh, if that'll come to fruition, if any of these guys end up going anywhere else, but I'd bet my money that these five guys end up at Westchester, and I'd say that the four that we previously mentioned are probably just summer league guys and then may not be around much longer, but uh, we'll see. So the next tier is the most exciting tier. So these are the guys that you should be keeping an eye on. These are the guys that we know that we have seen play, whether it's in Westchester or for the Knicks or in college. So these are the, this, what is, how many guys do I have written down? Let's do some math here. Seven guys, seven guys to look for. So let's start with the usual suspects that we talk about a lot. We don't need to say much more about them. Uh, so that's Frank Nielakina, Damian Dotson, and I'll throw Troy Williams in there just because we kind of, we kind of know what he is at this point. He's played enough in the NBA. So, Kyle, what are you looking for when you're watching Summer League? These three guys are on the court. Specifically, you can go by player if you like. Just things that you're looking for for each of these guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, one thing for each one of them. I, I want to see Frankie handling the ball just always. They He needs to only be playing point guard the, every minute of every one of those games. Just show, show me the, those flashes. From last season are for real. Show me that all these workout videos of you working on your handles are for real. The handles is the most important thing for me because his vision seems to be there. So if his handles are there, that means he's going to be able to make more plays and more passes. So for Frankie, I just need to see some more uh, vision. Uh, off, well, not just vision. I mean uh, the handling. For Damian Dotson, we know he can shoot. He didn't really get all the opportunity that all of us would have liked last year. I know you were weighing on the Dotson bandwagon to begin the season. I was. I, I came a bit later on, but, um, I mean, I'm mostly just looking to see for him how far ahead he is of the competition. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that in those little bits and pieces that we saw that we liked at, from him as an NBA player, that those were for real. I, I don't want these to be a little, like, one-offs or he bought in during a down year. I want to see him, like, just kill people that he's matched up with. I want him to shoot the lights out. You know, any matchup he gets, he's just killing people. Like, be aggressive, mostly. And to, to that point, he mostly dominated at Westchester last he year. He did. He played very well, and that's a lot of the guys you're going to be seeing here. To that level, maybe some above uh, and some below, but he played very well at Westchester last year and was kind of their leading scorer when he was there. Yeah, I mean, he averaged 18 last year in yeah. Westchester, and and they don't; those aren't particularly high-scoring games, most of them. So, right. I, I mean, he averaged 18 and six in 35 minutes. So, I mean, he's a good rebounder. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got because he's got a good size. I mean, he's six six; he should be rebounding well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, yeah, just show me that, show me that it's for real. I guess I, I want to see you be clearly ahead of this summer league competition which is 50 percent fringe guys and 50 percent rookies like go win and kill some people in there Absolutely. and then for troy i mean just kind of keep being the athletic troy williams just keep dunking on people keep cutting you know work with frank a little bit build a rapport we need more guys even when kp comes back they're going to be able to you know rim run a little bit and cut and backdoor like build some sort of a rapport with whatever point guard you're working with so those three that's kind of what i'm looking for 
Okay, yeah. The next guy is kind of in that tier, but I just want to talk about him separately just because they just signed him. So Luke Cornett, we had mentioned him before. When I'm watching Summer League, there's certain, you kind of know what Luke Cornett is, and I have no idea if he should be on an NBA roster after this season. We'll see how he does. But I like the concept of him being a KP proxy in practice. That idea just really intoxicates me, and I don't know why. It just it seems like it's just a smart kind of way to to account for an absence on a team. Exactly. And it's, it doesn't it's, delay the such play. A different, exactly, and it's a different role, obviously, and there's a lot of different things going into that, but I just like that idea. It's just always, uh, it stuck out as pretty cool to me. It's a similar skill set. So if Fizdale's trying to implement, I mean, he's like, uh, I always joke around with like everybody does with like the Dollar Tree or Great Value, you know, insert player X. Like, so yeah. I remember someone made a, made a joke about K, uh, Luke Cornett, you know, getting re-signed while KP was out when I made a, a Celtics joke. And I said, well, you know, you better leave Dollar Tree uh, Porzingis alone. And we all got a good <laughs> chuckle. But it, basically, yeah, like to your point, throwing him in those same situations in practice, like pretending even that he's KP in practice is good. Fizdale's trying to implement a new you know, more three-point friendly, up-tempo system. So at least having a proxy in there that can mimic it all year in practice and in schemes, like, it, it does help. It makes it a little bit easier. And then when I, when the actual talented player comes back and KP's reinserted, it's it should be a more seamless transition. Rather than if you're trying out Isaiah fucking Hicks every night, you know, for that roster spot, it's a drastically different situation that you're dealing with. So it does Absolutely. make it a little easier. And Cornette's shooting alone. I know he wasn't great percentage-wise last year, but his shooting alone makes it worth having on a roster, especially over Hicks, which they're not going to be directly competing because they signed him to a team. Do we talk about um, Luke Cornette's shooting ability like this if he wasn't a, a tall white guy? No, absolutely not. All right, I just wanted to make not sure. Even, no, but you don't even need to say it. I think it's in the subtext. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next guy I want to talk about, these are the three guys that the Knicks added on on draft night. So let's yes. talk about each one of yes. these guys. So let's start with Alonzo Trier, who they inked to a two-way contract pretty shortly after the draft. He wasn't necessarily expected to be picked. It would have been a bit of a surprise. It was more of a surprise that his college teammate, Rolly Alkins, was not selected. But he's had a such an interesting background story and uh, growing up and then through Arizona. He had, growing up, he was in a, he had a bit of a, disconnect between the grades he was in and the basketball he was playing because he had dyslexia so he had to work a bit harder in school which uh kind of threw him off i think i read that he he played for five high schools his mom moved him around a lot his dad was never around so his mom basically took on that role of a lot of au parents being that person he was suspended when he went to arizona was suspended again which was later dropped he's just had a lot and he's been in the spotlight also did a commercial with carmelo anthony when he was in the sixth grade which I tried like hell to find, and I could not find it on the internet, and I was destroyed that I couldn't find it because I saw pictures from it, and it just looked hysterical because Trier's like this, you know, hundred, probably a hundred pound kid, like gangly, with standing next to Carmelo Anthony. Mm. Now, um, let's have if you want to just elaborate on Trier's game a little bit. I was playing catch up today, so I, yeah. I do have stuff to say, but I definitely want to hear your thoughts on yeah, this. So, so let's talk about him. So he is. Something of, let's start with the negatives first. A lot of the things people say about him, he definitely can have tunnel vision. He gets a little Mm -hmm. into his own head too much. Arizona this past season was one of the most confounding college basketball teams I have ever watched. And that's why I was so drawn to them because between DeAndre Ayton, 
Roley Alkins, you know, they had Parker Jackson Cartwright. They had Aristich who would play next to eight in just these very strange lineups. And then also the whole Sean Miller thing where there was the wiretap and was it real? Was it not real? They were such a talented team. And to see them lose to Buffalo was, it it was just disappointing to, to put it bluntly. And that's how it went for, for Zona. It goes, it's how it goes a lot when they get to the tournament, but specifically his game. He's great in transition. It made up the highest proportion of his scoring. So 26% of his possessions came in transition, and I think 25 came in you know, a pick-and-roll situation or a spot-up, which tells you a lot about how he operated. He scored in the 90th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler. He definitely has those chops. He has this really nice one-dribble pull-up shot that he'll like to do. He's not a great catch-and-shoot guy. He shot 38% from three this year and 50 from the field, which is encouraging for his future development. He's a strong finisher around the rim. I wouldn't say he's a great athlete per se, but he's got good size. He's 6'5", 205. He was efficient this year, and despite sometimes getting into uh, some poor shot selection habits, I think that there's no reason to think that some of the skills that he has now will not translate, whether it's the NBA or the G League specifically is what we will probably talk about because that's where we're going to see him the most. But his transition game and his uh, ball handling to a certain extent are the two skills that you're going to see people talk about because that's where he performed the best this season. Yeah, I mean, the signing makes sense, at least for the summer league. He positionally... We've always been looking for a two. That's kind of why we reached on Tim Hardaway. Mm-hmm. And uh, even then, Fisdale is very noncommittal about Tim Hardaway. So that makes me think if something's up or if they're looking to shop him this year, I, d- I don't know. But I'm speculating, of course. But the vibe that I was getting, like, to me, you just had a guy average, what, set, you know, 18 points last year. He had a pretty good all-around year. and 18 and just, points in the Pac-12, which is, you know, you know, it's a good conference. Yeah, so I, I just feel like, I mean, it makes sense. And then, like we were talking about, just like you were saying now and before we spoke about it a little bit, uh, he's up-tempo, he likes to get up and down, he's very aggressive, and that's kind of what Fisdale likes to have. I mean, he could shoot from outside a little bit. So it just makes, it makes a lot of sense why Fisdale and the Knicks would like him. You know, positionally, it makes sense... Um, for what Fisdale plans on running and for the type of player that he is. So I, I, and I was watching highlights for about a half an hour or so up until we started the podcast. So everything that I saw, like it it made a lot of sense. I like that. He kind of looks for contact. He doesn't shy away from it in the NBA. That's pretty important. Um, He's got the frame that he should be able to finish when he's drawing the contact. So there's a lot to be intrigued about with him. Um, you know, obviously Knox is the guy we're all going to have our eyes on. You know, we, we kind of know what we have in Frankie and Dotson and uh, Troy to an extent. So there's things that, you know, we discussed already that we might be looking for for them. But we're all very excited about the young guys. But Trier um, is the guy that I think I'm really going to be keeping an eye on outside of Knox as opposed to, you know, Mitchell Robinson that we'll get into. 100% agree, and he's someone we should watch closely. I'm just glad the Knicks are adding guys, especially in this kind of setting, and for their G League team that are shooters and can can do these kind of things and just add an element to this team that has been sorely, sorely missing. I was going to ask you this. Yeah, I mean, you, you think Dotson is going to be on the roster this year, right? 
Is that Dotson should clearly be on the roster, and depending on how they want to dole out these wing minutes, we'll see what happens with the likes of Courtney Lee and, and Lance Thomas and how these guys end up and where the Knicks are. But Dotson should be on the team all year. He should be playing at least in the early stages 15 minutes a game. Like He should be getting some burn. I don't think there's any right. doubt about it. He had a 30-point so, game this year in the NBA, for goodness sakes. Give this guy, give this guy a chance. And everything that Fizdale said lines up with that with him playing more. I guess my question is, so if he's gone then, you know, he's got the NBA roster with the Knicks anyway. Trier logically would take his spot maybe as the two-way in Westchester, no? Yeah, Trier could yeah, I mean, potentially he, lead Westchester in scoring this year. That's, I was going to say, I mean, yeah. he seems to be from this bunch like the lock that we're stashing him in Westchester and hoping yeah, that he's, he's Well, he's, a two, he's two-way, so he's going to be exactly what yeah. the Cornette or Hicks were last year where they'll yeah. go back and forth if the Knicks ever need them. But they should give Trier plenty of time in the G League, foster that development. And what's nice is Mike Miller's coaching the Summer League team, and this is going to be his guy this year. So he'll get a look at him, see what he can do. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so then let's get to the two actual draft picks. Let's start with Mitchell Robinson. Uh I am excited to watch him play basketball. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> is it. that put? Is that enough to say? Is that's, no, how, that's, that's how it is. Listen, that's yeah. absolutely enough because all we have is like McDonald's All-American Games and from cameras underneath the hoop. Yeah, and then uh, we have grainy iPhone footage of him taking three strides from three-quarter court to to dunk. So, yeah, just playing basketball, bro. That that's it. I, we just need to see him on a court. And we'll see what he can do. I mean, it, physically, he should be a force out there. It's a matter of if we should expect anything. I would say this. I wouldn't expect much from him. I don't even know how many minutes he's going to play. Who knows how his conditioning is. Just look for the small things from Robinson. Let's see how he is on the court, his demeanor. Let's see how the coaching staff interacts with him. I'm looking for those small things because there's no doubt. I can guarantee you right now, there will probably be a couple plays during Summer League that are going to get a ton of traction on social because he'll do something insane. Like, that's going to happen. You know, I don't even want to keep expectations as low with him because everything – I did a lot of research on him after we drafted him. And I was really – I've been really open about the guys that I know nothing about. Trier I knew nothing about. Robinson mm-hmm. I knew nothing about. Trier I caught up mostly with today. Robinson barely filled me in a little bit right after the draft. And then after that, I've been watching whatever I could and reading whatever I could. I mean, for the last – I mean, for – Basically, before he sat out, he was extraordinarily highly touted, meaning, you know, the frame was obviously there, his, his athleticism was there, and lots and lots and lots of recruiters and people and scouts believed that uh, there was something special there. And I understand the off-court stuff might scare people, but I don't want to go from that to, like, I'm expecting less than some of these G League guys. Like, if... If you had a reason to get that many people excited for a significant portion of time before the draft, before you, you know, you bowed out at the beginning of the school year, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would expect you to come in and play pretty well against some fringe, you know, NBA guys, some some guys looking to make a roster. I would, maybe that's irrational, and I'm not even an overly optimistic guy, but like the more I thought about it, I was like. You know what? I mean, if you have this athleticism, if you were that highly touted, you know, if you spent a year, in your own words, getting ready for the draft in the NBA, then okay, then if that's all true and and the talent was there, then you should come in and play well. So I I know what you're saying, not to expect much. And normally that's how it feels like 99.9% of the time. But this one time, in his case, to be that highly touted, to 
we have the same expectations as G-Leaguers. Like, no, like, personally, like, uh, you should show us something. You really should. I don't care what you fell in the draft. You were that highly touted for a, a good period of time. Now, now show it a little bit. His mentality coming in is going to be important to follow because we've talked about it, and you saw it firsthand when you were at the press conference, mm-hmm. that he was quiet. You hope he comes in to, to this type of atmosphere and with a chip on his shoulder and says, this is my chance to prove to people that they passed on me, and this is – I'm going against guys that got drafted over me and that I can dominate athletically. So let me see if I can actually turn this into something uh, to, to give fans hope and to turn my game around and potentially be something. I definitely hold much a much lower level of expectation than you do, I think. I don't expect much from him at all this year. I, I don't think it's fair to, to be honest with you. But It's not. No, I agree. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. But you should show us is the best way I can word it. Yeah, but anyway, if he does. So the, the coaching staff should just be molding him the best they can. That's what it comes down to. That's true. Do what they can. That's true. But um, now for Kevin Knox. Yes. What are you looking for? I want to see him do the things he did at college that were the budding skills that we talked about. The way that these games are set up, and I love, love, love Summer League. I've, I fell in love with Summer League the year that uh, before the Knicks, the 2012-13 year when the Knicks were really good and Chris Copeland was their leading scorer in the summer league. That's what like hooked me on summer league forever. And it's one of my favorite, uh, just, I think it just, it's so much fun to see these guys out there. And that summer league team, by the way, was one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen in my entire life. It was look up that yeah, team. It wasn't good. It was hysterical, but I just really enjoy summer league. And I'm so happy the Knicks are back at Vegas. Cause I think they played in Orlando the last two years. Yep. It's unwatchable basketball because it's in the Magic practice gym versus the UNLV practice gym, which is a legitimate. I think it is it the UNLV. I know it's UNLV. I don't know if it's their practice gym or or where the uh, maybe it's their where their women play. I'm not sure if their women play at the big stadium, but neither here nor there. So for Knox specifically, I want to see his ball handling. I want to have them put him in pick and rolls. We had a, a controversial article by our guy Ty Jordan about Knox's potential as a ball handler. I'd go read that again before you watch the Summer League and see what you should be looking out for. His shot, I'm on record. It's going to translate. He's going to be a good three-point shooter in the NBA, and we're going to see that shot on display in the Summer League too. He might not get great looks, but when you're playing with an NBA point guard in Neil Aquina, those looks can come. There's no doubt about it. So I want to see him go out there. I want to see him be aggressive on offense because it's one of the concerns I have about his game in general is his aggressiveness level being consistent throughout uh, throughout the games. And I just want to see him put the ball in the basket. So how about you? Um, basically that. I'd also like to see them toss him at the floor a little bit. Selfishly. Oh, that's all I want. Yeah, yeah well, because I yeah, bully ball a little bit. Let, let me yeah. just see. Let me just see how you match up with a couple of big bodies so that I can confirm that I should be excited for that positional mix-up once you get to the big leagues. But to your point about the threes translating, um, I think it was last week somebody pointed out, I think it was actually a friend of the podcast network, Nikias Duncan, pointed out that his NBA threes translated to, uh, where is it? 37 percent it's pretty damn good pretty damn good and i uh, jb tweeted the percentile which i'm trying to you know rapidly search for but it, it's very very good <laughs> is the point and uh, i'll probably tweet those numbers later now but i, I can't find it but Perfect. um it was very very good is the point and 
I mean, it's today's NBA. You're going to need to make threes. And if, if you're that high of a percentile from that distance and people are worried about your offensive game, I think that bodes well, especially when you're 18 years old. I think that's a very encouraging thing that you're already shooting that well from that deep. So uh, I agree with you. I just want to see the ball go in. And I think we know he could play the three. I think everybody agrees he could play the three. But it's sort of like the KP thing. When we wanted to see him play the five. Absolutely. In the summer, in the summer league that first year with KP, he matched up directly against Jaleel Okafor. And that was fun because it was like, well, here's like string bean spaghetti. Kristaps uh, basically against the guy who's a bigger, stronger guy in Okafor. And it, it was funny. And I remember that game. This is actually when I fell in love with the summer league. This I'd is hysterical it. to think back on, by the way, because remember, this was a big thing going up to it. It was, it was you know, the, the number three pick versus the number four pick. And then I think all of us collectively came out of that. And we were like, I think we feel all right about this. Yeah, because the first half of that game, I, I'm pretty sure all of us were watching, but the first half of that game, Okafor torched KP. Yeah. Torched KP. Like, backed him in, just duped him left and right, just bodied him, just murdered him. And the, the second half, I, I mean, KP just torched him. Just He swatted him, like, three times in five positions. Like, he just killed him. And that that's what I fell in love with the Super League. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. Like, put guys out of their comfort zone a little bit. Experiment a little bit. Like, remember when they had Shump run point guard? Uh, yeah. in, in summer league because they wanted to prep him for the year. Like, that's what you got to do. So play a that lot was, of... That was a failed experiment. The shump oh. in the summer league thing did not go great. It, uh, no. I have some breaking news on the pod, by the way, Kyle. Uh, it's it's uh, Shams just tweeted that Boogie signed... I'm, I'm not kidding. Oh, my with, God. Uh, with the Warriors. And this is Shams. I have his notifications on. I see the check mark. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, I am in shock. Oh my god! <laughs> I would have preferred Dwight Howard, but I love Boogie. I want Boogie to be the biggest cancer he's ever been. Make this an inside job, Boogie. You can do it, buddy. Be the piece of shit you've always wanted to be. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> at a loss for words. I, I honestly, I cannot. Oh my God! Uh, you, we t- you were talking about Shumper playing point guard, and I looked at my phone, and it's, I did a double take because I didn't think it was real. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here though, and we'll we'll hit on Twitter and we'll talk with some of you guys about this. But uh, so we got the summer league coming up in a few days, July seventh, the first game. Keep an eye out; we'll be doing some live stuff from the Knicks Wall account. Uh, I'm I'm really excited. I think the Knicks are going to have a fun summer league team. I think this is going to be a team that's worth keeping an eye on, and I think that they have some intriguing pieces that could do some fun stuff. So we'll see. Any last thoughts, Kyle? He's still speechless over the boogie thing. I can't believe he went to the war. Why would he? What? Dis- I feel like I feel a little betrayed because I think Boogie's like the biggest like f- stick it to him, fuck you guy in the league, and and he just just had to do this. You hate to see it. What could they have possibly signed him for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I, know what kind of I have money so many, they have. What? No, I have so, if he's fifty percent, that's. That's still an amazing deal. I mean, he could play. Oh, I'm baffled. All right, let's get out yeah, of here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> All right. Oh, hold on. Kyle, hold on. I'll talk. Never mind. I thought, I thought there was more breaking news. Oh, yeah. Woe was just tweeted it now, too. I thought they were going to give us the contract details so we no, could we'll inform see. our. Okay. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> right, Kyle. get out of here. Bye. See you later, man.